How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio again for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, guys, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, on Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. I am joined by Ben Gorwitz off our disappointing Braves performance. Ben, you doing all right over there, my brother? Yeah, you know, it's only game one. That's why you win the division. You uh, come back tomorrow at home and uh, try to take care of business. It's one game. It's fine. That's what I'm saying, man. You mean, you know, we woke up as the game went on. Me and Ben were kind of talking about it here in our uh, in our uh, pregame before we hopped on the podcast. You know, we I like our chances against Zach Wheeler at home, obviously. You know, the Braves, for whatever reason, are cursed during the day. I mean, we had a lot of base runners and could take advantage of it. You know, it, it like you said, it's a, lo- it's a long series. You know, it's a five-game series. It's not like it's one and you're done. So I think it was nine, nine batters left on base through, like, five innings. Yeah, I think it was through three innings, actually. So pretty yeah. – yeah, no, it makes me want to go throw up real quick. But anyway, Ben, um, before we talk about this next round of the MLB series, I think there is one lingering topic that I actually did want to discuss. And look, the Mets got embarrassed, Ben, and let's talk about it here. The Mets are getting absolutely their asses handed to them by Joe Musgrove, and it is the sixth inning. I mean, you can see on the telecast that his ears look like they're glowing a little bit. And he, his, um, it was his spin rate and his speed were not like off the charts, but were definitely higher than they were in the regular season. And so Buck, Buck Showalter call, uh, calls for the umpire to go out there and check him out to see if he has like a substance or something based to see if he's cheating, calls him out from the dugout. Ben, do you think this is a Bush league call by Buck or do you think it's the right move? No, I don't think it's Bush league. Um, We've had cheating scandals in baseball very recently. My thing is, you collect a lot of information throughout a game. Um, you have people that are not in dugouts, you know, watching your game, telling you, uh, like you have a, you have a, every team as a coach or person that tells them if it's a good opportunity to challenge or not. Some, someone in the Mets organization gave Buck uh, information and that he can do with it whatever he wants. I don't think it's, like, I don't think it's Bush League. Um, I guess it's a little embarrassing. It's not like the thing is, it's like, okay, if he was, then it, this is completely flipped. Like it's, it's not a one-sided argument at all. There's, there's multiple opinions that you can have on this. I don't think it's really that embarrassing. His team wasn't hitting. That doesn't mean just because, just because your team isn't hitting doesn't mean the other person's cheating, but they weren't hitting. Plus they got information that every pitch had spin right up. Plus, he probably got something else that wasn't disclosed. And then that, you know, I, I really don't have that big of an issue with it. I, I really don't. I don't think it's Bush League. Um, it's it's a strategy to gain. To, it takes Musgrove off his uh, rhythm, off his timing. That's part of a strategy. I didn't really have an issue with it. Sure, I think it looks like it's a bad look worse than, worse than it actually is. Um, I actually thought it was a smart move by Buck as much as I hate saying good things about the Mets. I actually thought it was smart. And like you said, you know, it was the right move. I mean, he's probably, he's probably bringing it a little bit more since it's a huge playoff game. You know, I mean, it's it's actually the numbers came out this morning that, uh, through the first round, um, the average pitchers that starters and relievers spin rates were up around 5% for every pitcher in the postseason. Yeah, that's what I figured. His was up a little higher. Still, like yeah, I mean, in a regular season game in July, you're not throwing your 
best i mean i'm not saying that you're not ever but you know what i mean you're not giving it like every last thing you got i mean this every is, pitch is more in intensity behind it yeah this is winner go home so i mean it's kind of expected but in buck's defense i actually think it was a smart move i mean he probably knew that but i mean musgrove was absolutely shoving i mean they had one hit they couldn't get anybody on base if any if the way i look at it if i'm buck you're just trying to do something to get in his head and get him off his game because nothing else is working and it was actually even funnier after that he basically got every single player on the mets team out after that and him and machado were shouting at the mets dugout i thought it was hilarious but i thought it was the right move by show walter you know you got to try to do something as a manager it's your job you know to try to figure out some sort of strategy and this is the strategy saw fit best. Yeah, I got no problem with Machado and Musgrove showing showing some attitude back. That's that's life. They exactly. challenged they challenged Musgrove and he won the challenge. Um I thought like McCutcheon's tweet was interesting. That came after they were checking it. Did yeah. you see that tweet? Yeah. About how people, it's basically like an icy hot, like a red hot substance on your mm-hmm. ears. I that'd be very weird to me. Um, that want your ear to be burning to focus, but I mean, it, unless that's illegal, then he didn't do anything wrong. And the thing is, it's like if you had Vaseline or if you had a substance that you were trying to help the moisture of your grip with to combat sweat, you would be touching your ear or wherever the substance is. It's under neck. So, like, they were looking at his ear. So, if he wasn't going after most pitches to his ear, then I don't know what was on his ear because it wasn't helping the pitch. And John Boy Media, who does fantastic breakdowns, um, they the guy went back to watch every single pitch. He said he didn't touch his ear after a pitch a single time. The mm-hmm. only time he touched his ear was when the umpires were walking up to check, and he did one of those. Obviously, people can't see me, but he like wiped his ear with his sleeve, basically, like almost if you had like an itch or or something on your ear. Let me tell you this, for the people that have never used lotion before or Vaseline before, you can wipe whatever you want off. It's still on there. The person mm-hmm. who felt his ear that basically ear fucked him would feel a <laughs> substance on there. He only wiped away with one sleeve. It would still be on there. If you don't believe me, go put some lotion on your arm, wash it off in the sink. I'm not saying take a shower, wash it off in the sink, pat it down with a towel and tell me if you still feel something. The answer is you will. These lotions will stay on your skin for a little bit. Nah, 100%. He definitely was not cheating. He was just unhittable. That was all it was. Um, all right, Ben, let's talk about these series here real quick. I guess since we talked about the Padres, let's go, let's go ahead and let's talk about the Dodgers-Padres first. This game, obviously the last game today. Um, most people are hearing this. The two games have already started. But, um, Ben, who do you think is going to win this series and why? So the easy answer is the Dodgers. They're the best team in baseball. And if you look at head-to-head records, they absolutely own the Padres. Um, I don't like game one for the Padres at all. They have Mike Clevenger going against Julio Urias. I think Mike Clevenger's ERA against the Dodgers is like over 12. Um, I don't know the exact number, but I heard this morning, it, I think it was either he's allowed 19 runs in 14 innings or 14 runs in 19 innings, one of the two. It's whatever it is. It ain't pretty. Um, I think the Padres, like every other underdog in every series, you, you want game one. Um, and specifically for the Phillies and the Padres, the Phillies threw out their number three starter today. The Padres are essentially doing the same. If not Clevenger's their four. So you want to get a win under your belt going back to San Diego, even if it's one, one, when you get your ones and twos coming back. So I think they have Darvish going tomorrow. Um, so if they can obviously win tonight, that's, that's a huge 
step for them, just like the Phillies got it done today. They got Ranger Suarez, and then tomorrow they have Zach Wheeler, who's the race. So Phillies did their part. I think the Padres trying to need to do the same formula. I think the Dodgers end up winning this series, though. Yeah, I think the Dodgers are actually going to sweep them, to be honest with you, Ben. The Dodgers absolutely dominated this team in the regular season. I remember after they traded for Soto, Bell, and Hayter and everybody, they had a three-game series against the Dodgers, and not only did they get swept. It wasn't they close. Got, yeah, yeah, the games weren't even close. I think it's going to be more of the same here, unfortunately, for them. Um, next series up here on the list will stay in the NL. Our Braves are now down one game to none. Um, like we had been alluded to, I'll start out here. Look, I still think the Braves can bounce back, guys. I like our chances at home versus Zach Wheeler. Braves have had decent success against him this season. The Braves have played really well at home. This Braves team is resilient, man. They did it last year. I mean, shoot, they lost game one to Milwaukee last year, and they still came back and won the series just fine. I think it's more of the same here for the Braves. Kyle Wright should be able to get it done. Ultimately, I like the fact that if we get it back to Atlanta, that they're probably not going to be able to throw Wheeler, and they're also probably not going to be able to pitch um, – Aaron Nola. Nola and besides the Braves have had a lot of luck against Nola in the past so I still like the Braves to come out and win this series I think today's game was just the Braves being cursed in day games um yeah I actually just looked it up Zach Wheeler's career against the Braves because obviously he was on the Mets before mm-hmm. he's 10 and 7 with an ERA of 3.16 in 24 appearances so I mean pretty good numbers but no numbers that should scare Braves fans. Yeah. let's see see if I can find in 2022 He's pitched well against us this year, 2-0 and with an ERA of 270. But like I said, the Braves are throwing out a guy who – and listen, I understand wins aren't the most important stat. He has – Kyle Wright has 21 wins. you got to have a lot of confidence in a guy that finished with 21 wins this season, the most in baseball, I believe. Um, yeah, I think the Braves – listen, the Braves more so beat themselves than the Phillies necessarily beat them now – I'll put an asterisk on that because I think the Phillies hit Max Freed very well. They had some blue pits, soft contact, but they also had a lot of hard hit balls. The Braves left nine or 10 base runners on base. That's very uncharacteristic for them. That's not something that's going to happen every single game. Um, So just, you know, credit to the Phillies. They came out. uh, Braves came out a little sloppy. Phillies came out hot in game one and they took it from us. Yeah, I think we'll still be all right, Ben. Um, next series up here. Let's go over to the AL now. It's happening right now. We have the uh, Mariners are up right now on the um, Astros. This game is not even close to going final, though. Also, too, though, they came back off the huge uh, over, from a huge deficit to beat the Blue Jays. Historical. Bim, can the Mariners do it again in here against the uh, Astros today or this series? They can. Um, they're underdogs, you know, obviously for a reason. The Astros have graded as the best bullpen in baseball. I think that's massive in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they didn't get what they wanted from Justin Verlander today. Um, but they're only down 6-3 in the fifth inning, not an insurmountable lead by any means, especially for an offense like that. The Astros, I believe, I forget the record, but I believe they also handled the Mariners pretty well in the regular season. 12-7. and 12-7. and seven. I think the difference right now is the Mariners, you could say, are the hottest team in baseball. Now, obviously, there's like the Phillies who have the same amount of wins as the Mariners do, but the way the Mariners won the games mm-hmm. against the Blue Jays, I think, gives you a tremendous amount of confidence. The great thing about this postseason is we have three out of the four divisional games. Uh, the divisional series games are in-division rivals, mm-hmm. teams that know each other very well, um, and I think that helps the underdog just as much as it helps the team who has home field advantage. Yeah, look, I actually think these teams that had the week off, I 
kind of thought they would be a little sloppy coming out here today off rest. And so far, it looks like I've been right as these teams have been a little sloppy in these first uh, um, in the like the, the first couple innings that they've played in. You know, it looks like it's taken them a little to wake up like the Astros and Braves, for example, so far today. But I think the Mariners are a really good team. I mean, I've been the Mariners guy all season long. I picked them to win last series. I just think the magic runs out at some point against the Astros. The Astros are too damn good just to let a little Mariner magic be the team to uh, beat them here and take them out of the playoffs, you know? Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go Astros, Braves, Dodgers, same as you so far. Okay. Last one here, we have the Guardians and the Bronx tonight taking on the Yankees, Cal Quantrill versus Garrett Cole. Ultimately in this series, Ben, this is the one where I'm actually not going to go all chalk and I'm going to take the underdog. The Guardians actually were the hottest team in baseball. I try to say they were a little fraudulent by beating up on bad teams in division, but this team's just rolling, man. Look, they didn't really hit the ball that well last round. There's some weird weather stuff going on. Also, to some great pitching from these Rays pitchers. Ultimately, though, man, I just feel like this Guardians team is on fire. I think they play well together. I think that they really, you know, rallied together and pulled out a huge series win. And I just think this team just keeps rolling. They seem like the team of destiny. They have the best one-two punch in the bullpen. I mean, the Yankees really regressed the second half of the season. I think ever since, like, Stan's been playing with these injuries, they just haven't been the same team. I don't think this Yankees team – I just think they have too many injuries. You know, they don't have the guys that they started the season out with day one. I think all that catches up to them here. I think the Guardians send this team home packing and Aaron Boone is fired. They did lose uh, some key bullpen guys going into this series. Like, you know, prior, I think Mm -hmm. one of them, they thought they were possibly going to get back, and then they didn't get him back. Um, I think I actually give the pitching advantage to the Guardians. The way that they're starting pitching is is, uh, rolling right now from the end of the season until now is they're on fire. Shane Bieber looks like the Shane Bieber we've – Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, come, uh, you know, accustomed to just pencil him in as a great start, um, you know, for 20 starts a year. Tristan McKenzie is someone who really struggled last year, but never, you know, there's a lot of high praise for him, highly rated prospect. He had a really good season, uh, and he had a really good outing, his last outing. What, didn't he go like six innings of no hit ball? Then I think he gave up a hit in the seventh or something. He pitched yep. really well against the Rays. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Guardians have enough offense. I think they're a little bit too reliant on um, Jose Ramirez when he comes up. I think if you get Ramirez out in a game to where you can get him like one for four with a you know a single or maybe 0 for four, I think it's tough for them to kind of find runs. I just think the Yankees are going to have too much firepower in their lineup. See, I feel like it was good for them to get that win with those young guys on the in their uh, in their roster, you know, to go ahead and get that one under their belt. Now that they got it, I feel like this team has more confidence, you know. So that's another reason too that I really like the Guardians here to get this thing done. But I mean, we'll see what we get from Garrett Cole tonight too. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, if Garrett Cole can't get it done tonight, that's not a good look for the Yankees. That's for sure. Um, ben, anything else here on these uh, baseball playoffs before we move into some? Uh, some college football and NFL takeaways? Uh, no. Better win tomorrow, Braves. Yeah, for real. Win or go home at this point. Um, all right, Ben, let's do this thing. Uh, ben, as always, has the better observations than me when it comes to college football and NFL. Therefore, we'll let Ben go ahead and start us out. Ben, where do you want to go first? Yeah, and I actually wrote some of yours down as well. So uh, okay. I'll take a quick pause, then you can interject between each one. If, if you're silent, then I'll move on. Um, it's very clear that Texas is a different team with Quinn Ewers and give me credit for admitting that because I'm an Alabama fan. And I think Texas could have beaten Alabama with Quinn Ewers. 
I uh, not only do I agree with that, Ben, but I call me crazy. I think Quinn Ewers might be like one of those generational QB prospects, and him leaving Ohio State and going to Texas might be the equivalent of uh, Joe Burrow walking out the door and going to LSU. Also, too, the other thing I want to say real quick on the flip side of things for the Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I think, is in the same position now that Florida State was in when that uh, Jimbo Fisher walked out the door. I mean, the entire program, yeah. all the players basically transferred out and left. I mean, Dylan Gabriel is a good player and all, but it's not like Venables is a bad coach or anything. He has nothing to work Gabriel's with. Gabriel's been hurt, too. Yeah, exactly. Gabriel's hurt. He really has nothing to work with. I think Oklahoma needs to get this rebuild going and they need to get it going on the right foot or else they could join the SEC and potentially be the worst, be like a, a, in the same talks as like Vandy and South Carolina and stuff in the SEC. Yeah, um, I do think when you have a program that doesn't play much defense and then you get mm-hmm. a defensive coach, I'm not really expecting a huge turnaround in year one, especially when you lose Same. the players that they did the transfer portal and they didn't, they didn't, they lost a lot more players at the transfer portal than they brought in. Um, so I do think he deserves some time. I just, I don't know how they're going to fare in the SEC either. Let's <laughs> yeah. move to another big 12 quarterback. Uh, Max Duggan stud. The only problem with TCU and it starts this week and we're going to talk about it on our picks pod Thursday or Friday, whenever we do it. Their schedule coming up is insanely difficult mm-hmm. for TCU. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how Max Duggan and TCU can go from this point on. It's already been a pretty successful season, though, for them. Yeah, to build on that, first thing I want to say is next week, Ben, on when we do this podcast, I do want to kind of you know, talk a little bit about these conferences and how we think they're shaping out and stuff. I think there's yeah. a lot of big games this week that will shape a lot of these conferences and give us clear pictures. Second thing I want to say on Max Duggan real quick is – I don't know if you remember or not, Ben, but when we first started podcasting together a lot a couple years back, I was extremely high on Duggan and thought he was going to be a beast. Look, I want to see what he does over this stretch here because I think this is the guy is a type of guy who can play on Sundays. I don't disagree. Uh, let's combine two and one here. Tennessee host Alabama is an undefeated team. We'll get to Tennessee in a second. Jalen Milrow wasn't ready at all. The kid couldn't can't throw the ball. And if uh, Bryce Young doesn't play, Alabama is – 1,000% in trouble in that game. I'm not going to say they automatically lose it. Let's not get crazy. But I do think they are in very much in jeopardy if Bryson can't play in this game. I think he will play. I just don't think he's 100%. We'll see what that means in terms of his, of him throwing the football and the amount of attempts that he can. Let's talk about Tennessee real quick. Tennessee's got the most explosive offense in, in the country. I, I mean, mm-hmm. there's other teams who, who are pretty explosive that could do things. The, the combination of how fast they go, the ability that they have a quarterback that can actually hit a deep ball. Um, Cause you know, they do a lot of screens. They set you up, they try to lull you to sleep and then they go quick and they get you on a deep ball. And he makes these throws hand and hooker. He runs well. He doesn't turn the ball over. This is going to be for the third Saturday in October. This is going to be the best matchup we've had in a very long time. And now in the Alabama Tennessee, Tennessee rivalry. Yeah, it's the best matchup I can remember in a long time. Um, kind of my one of my observations, Ben, that goes along with what you said about Alabama <clears throat> is Jimbo Fisher, in my opinion, is just not a good close game coach. When I think back to all the games he played at Florida State, I mean, after he lost Jameis Winston in close games, he really didn't do that great. I mean, there would always be that game that we should have win that was a close game that came down to the end that we lost like the Georgia Tech block field goal a couple times at NC State and stuff. I don't think Jimbo's that good of a close game head coach, but um, that was the one thing I wanted to add. Yeah. Um, 
Jimbo is interesting. Like, by no means do I think he's a bad coach. I think his offense is getting a little stale um, for today's updated play calling and and stuff. But, I mean, it's two years in a row, and one, they're one and one, but two years in a row that A&M's given up a hell of a fight to Alabama. And, uh, you know, nobody was really expecting that this year. But, like, I will say, like, everyone was talking about, the, you know, Bama this, Bama that, the revenge game. That was when people thought Bryce Young was going to play. You could not, you just can't say that but you thought Bama was going to blow out AM if you've never seen Jalen Milrow play. And pretty much no one has seen him play. Uh, like I said earlier, Saban had a quote and he said he thought Jalen Milrow played with a lot of anxiety. Yeah, I'd say so. He had what people call his happy feet in the pocket. He makes one read and if it's not there, he tries to run and he fumbled it twice. I do want to say this, and this is not an excuse um, by any means. I think it's true if you watch the game. The only success AM really had in this game, other than the last possession, was off short fields. Bama turned the ball over with a young quarterback who fumbled twice and threw it a pick. The pick was a deep ball, but still, he fumbled twice and they got 17 points off turnovers. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely on that, Ben. I mean, the fact that Alabama turned the ball over four times and still ended up winning the game, going minus th- it was it was a uh, four-one in turnovers, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, we had an interception. Yeah, and the fact you could win the game like that's crazy. And I mean, look at it this way: Milrow might not be the quarterback for the future, but whoever fights with him is he's probably going to put up a hell of a fight. And this is two good games for him to build off of as a young quarterback. Yeah, and I'll say this again. I said it last week. No, if you hear something on Bryson, I can promise you it is not true. Alabama's not going to release any information. All the only thing you need to know as of right now, Saban said they're doing further testing on Bryce today, and they'll do everything they can to get him ready for the Tennessee game. I think he's going to play personally, but that's just me I speculating. Do. I do as well. I just don't think he'll be a hundred percent. I don't know what that means, but I don't. By the way, Jameer Gibbs. Woo-hoo. If you're an NFL scout, you're licking your chops to get your fingers on him and your offense. Yeah, I hope the Falcons get him in like the second or third round. Um, I don't think he's going that far down. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. Uh, let's move. Mississippi State did it. Their offense did exactly what I thought. Um, their offense is spectacular. I don't. I don't know another adjective to describe their offense, but it's spectacular. And I'm going to say it every time to give you credit, Mike Leach in the third year. You brought it up on our SEC podcast. So far, so good, Mike Leach. Hey man, we'll see what he can do, man. On the on the uh, meet of the Back schedule, half of the I'm schedule. Make, yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see him this week against Kentucky, and I'm excited to see the following week against Alabama. So let's see what they're made of. Want to? We kind of already talked about this, but suspect play calling I thought costed A and M and Florida State. I'll do A and M real quick. I think the obvious one is the last play of the game. Um, Florida State, they so they're down two with like. 40 seconds left or 50 seconds. I think 40 something seconds left. Mm -hmm. If you're a coach and if you're a quarterback, both of you should know, but I'm going to put it more on the coach to have a discussion with the quarterback. You should not make any risky throw. You should not take any sack. There's Mm -hmm. a good chance you win that game. I think from where they were, it would have been a 40 something yard field goal, which is not a gimme for college kickers, but it's certainly you trust your kicker that he can make a 40 something yarder. I don't know if I trust our kicker with the way he's played. I mean, he did hit that field goal before halftime for us in that game, but 
I mean, he hasn't exactly been that great this season. But so it's not I mean, one of those situations where you like you have a 42 yeah. yard field goal and it's fourth down and you're going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Like you no, would just kick exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. So I we, think I think the play calling should have been uh, if you're going to throw it, which is fine. I think it should be crossers. Um, you know, one of those pick mm-hmm. plays where you don't set the pick or <laughs> run the football because I do think Florida State had a couple timeouts if I'm not mistaken. Um. But so I mean, regardless, I, I, the clock stops in college football if you get a first if down. If you get a you first know, down, yeah, correct. you know yeah. you're gonna have time to probably run a play and clock the ball. So yeah, so I thought a little little suspect play calling. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen, this is the meat of the schedule for Florida State. They're zero two in it now, and now they get Clemson at home. I don't, listen, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked if Clemson goes zero and three. And I I would have said that before. It's a tough schedule against three really good teams. Two of them were on the road because it was at Wake Forest, right? No, Wake Forest is at home. Wake Forest, okay, so two out of three were home, whatever. They're still really good teams. All, all three programs coming in this year, I would put, were better than Florida State. They're competitive, which is good news for Florida State, but they could have won both games. I think that puts the sour taste in, in your mouth and mm-hmm. Florida State's people's mouths, but I still think Norvell is doing a good job this year. Absolutely, and the other thing I want to say, too, just real, real quick, I mean, we really don't have any depth at all, and we had a lot of guys go down injuries. throughout that game yeah. and a lot of injuries prior to the game. We were missing three of our top defensive players in that game. So, you know, realistically, the way I look at it, Norvell's doing a hell of a job with what we got, guys. We just got to keep on letting Norvell keep doing his thing. I mean, this program, if, if he builds it back up to what it is, we will be back to being a 9-3 nine and nine and three or better team every single year. Three more in college. Pac-12 isn't as bad as people think, and, it's, and you and I probably owe them mm-hmm. an apology. I've been impressed with the Pac-12. Yeah, I'll go with one of my observations here to add on to the Pac-12. UCLA and DTR, they deserve some respect for sure. I mean, DTR is balling out, putting up Heisman-like numbers. I mean, he was an absolute unstoppable force in that game against Utah. And this entire Oregon defense, man, you know, they got some pass rushers. They can get after it, and they made some plays on defense. Or That's what I meant. Sorry, yeah, UCLA. They got some pass rushers. They can make some plays on defense. They won that game against Utah because their defense came up big for them a couple times in the red zone and held Utah to a field goal and got turnovers. And Chip Kelly's back. Mm-hmm. He's calling. He's calling beautiful ball games. Absolutely. Um, let's do one. We'll do two more. I want to save the funniest one for last. Let's do Kentucky uh, losing Will Levis. Looks or Kentucky losing uh, makes Levis look even better. Agree. Um, that was your observation. Levis is really playing his way into a first round quarterback. Some people even think he could be the number one overall pick. That's not for us to debate. Let's go into your. Uh, let's go into your rant right here. Desmond Howard. What are your thoughts on him? Look guys, you know, I try to let Desmond Howard do his thing. Try not to clown him. I don't, I'm not, I don't really like people that much who go after somebody necessarily, but it's, there's just a certain point where you just say too much stupid stuff. Desmond Howard. I mean, whatever, man, your final four was Pitt, um, Michigan, Michigan. Texas, A&M, and I'm drawing a blank on the other team. It was uh, another two loss. Pa- it was another team who already has two losses. I can't think of off the top of my head right now. Anyway, look, whatever, Desmond, I'll let you get by on that. Desmond Howard on college game day on Sunday, on Saturday was arguing back and forth with David Pollock and says, well, I don't think Ohio State's played anybody. Michigan's played a harder schedule than them. My brother, you guys scheduled the three of the 15 worst teams in college football to start the season out. On top of that, you haven't even played a legitimate ranked team all season long. 
respectfully, Desmond, you are the Walmart brand version of Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt <laughs> is the SEC hater, but he at least has facts and doesn't say – Joel Klatt's at least smart enough to put an SEC – like a good SEC team like Alabama or Georgia in his final four. I was, on, surprised, I was surprised the Bear, who's obviously a numbers guy, didn't just be like, Michigan's strength of schedule is blank, Ohio State's blank, and then it's just end of argument. Oh, it was, it was, let's put it, it was bad. Like even Curb Street's face was just like, I'm not going to say anything for the sake of this show, but like, shut the hell up, Desmond. That was his face. Let's move on to NFL. We can do these real quick. LA Rams are bad, especially when they go against a big pass rush. Um, I actually think it's when the Rams, so if you look when the Rams offensive line ranks in the top 10 in the NFL, they've been a playoff team and borderline Super Bowl team when their offensive line grades bad, they're bad and their offensive line is terrible and injured, very injured right now. The Cardinals have scored zero points in first quarters and they've played five games all five games so far. They've scored zero points in the first quarter. I was on Eagles minus three first half. Uh, do we know who the Cardinals play next week? Um, the Seahawks, and we'll, we'll be on Seahawks first quarter. We will be on Seahawks first quarter. The G-Men, the New York football giants, win another big game. Their defense is playing outstanding, thanks to uh, Wink Martindale, I believe his name, isn't it? Yep. Uh, he, goes to the Ra- he goes to the Ravens next week. That'll be an interesting matchup. Who kn- Does Lamar know his defense better? Or does he know Lamar? I'm probably going to take Lamar. Um, Daniel Jones, not turning the ball over not fumbling as much, and he actually looks like an adequate quarterback. I don't know if it's good or bad news for Giants fans. Brian Dable, shout out Brian Dable, coach of the year so far. And Saquon Barkley, it's nice to see Saquon Barkley look like Saquon mm-hmm. again. I'm, ha- I'm happy for him because he is so exciting to watch. Agree on everything there, Ben. The Panthers, they fired Matt Rule, and they also just fired their defensive coordinator. Um, if you have a job and you work for the Carolina Panthers, Hold on to your butts because it ain't lasting much longer. <laughs> ben, while we're on Matt Rule, let's talk here real quick. Where's Matt Rule? What is Matt Rule doing next? College. Year? Well, if he wants to coach, it's in college. I, I have a feeling he's going to collect the money that he's owed and just do nothing. Um, he got like 40, north of $40 million for being fired. Go live your life, dude. You're still pretty young. Take the wife on a couple of vacations. Go visit Italy. Go visit wherever your dream vacation is. Take a year off, maybe go into studio after that, then come back. He's still a pretty young guy. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you on this one, Ben. If I'm Rule, I take the job I want to. I mean, if you look at Rule, he built Baylor from nothing. He finds those three stars and turns them into the into the star talents that he can win conferences with. I actually think he'd be a home run hire for Auburn, who needs to kind of rebuild their entire program. I want to ask you a question on Auburn, because there's two sides to the Auburn argument. There's one side that says, uh, the boosters are a mess. The job security is not, not great. And you have to play a tough schedule every year. That's mm-hmm. one side of it. The other side is you have access to a lot of talent. Typically Auburn, when they have a good coach recruits well enough. And um, it's the opportunity at success. It's obviously very hard. You have to play Georgia and Bama every year, but the opportunity for success is doable at Auburn. Which side of the argument? If you if this is if you were a coach, and Auburn was looking into you, are you shying away from the opportunity because it is hard, or do you want the challenge because that job is not made for everyone? And I think that's very clear. It's not easy to out recruit Georgia and Bama. It's not easy to play both those teams, but it is a tremendous challenge. And if you're successful at it, you're going to make a lot of money. 
Yeah, I actually am more on the side here of I wouldn't want to go there. And, you know, you're going to have to get an athletic director in there. I think they do need a new athletic director. They do. So, I mean, you're going to need an AD that's going to come in there and tell the boosters basically to shut the hell up and go away and give you, like, the ability to come in there and build what you want to do because Auburn needs, like, a lot of rebuilding. You know what I mean? Like, it's – they. I feel like they need to completely gut and rebuild everything they've done there, kind of like what happened with Florida State. And I feel like that, you know, you don't want to be that Willie Taggart coach. You want to be the guy who's going to come in there and have time to rebuild the program, you know, like Norvell's done for us. So – Unless I get like that kind of buy-in, like almost like what happened with Alabama, Ben, with Nick Saban, you know, he came in there and they gave him the kind of buy-in he wanted. Unless I get that, there's no way in hell I take that job. So I'm actually at the opposite side. Um, I like to challenge myself. And at this point, if you go in and fail, so do the guys before you. Harson is going to get another job in college football. Absolutely. Uh, Malzahn, who I would say was fairly su- successful at Auburn, got another job and he's thriving at UCF now. Like your, your career isn't done because you fail at Auburn. I'm it's a very personal opinion. The way you fall on the Auburn. I just like the challenge for myself, but I agree with you. The boosters got to get the hell out of the way. I understand that they pay the bills and ain't all about you get on the same page. Your, your new AD, whoever they hire and your new coach want to win and turn her Auburn around just as much as uh, you spending your money to do the same thing. If you're all on the one goal, you can work together. They have not been able to work together. 100%. Uh, Brandon Staley, uh, LA Chargers coach, thoughts? Look, Ben, I texted you this after the game was over on Sunday. Brandon Staley, I just simply could never see Brandon Staley holding up the Lombardi trophy after winning a Super Bowl. I mean, his decision was absolutely idiotic. I get it. You have one of the five best court, 10 best quarterbacks in the league. You think he can get you two yards and get you a first down at the same time. Do you really think Jacoby Brissett, with the way he played all day, is going to be able to go 90-plus yards to win the game on you? Make Brissett do it. Brandon Staley just simply – I mean, the defense sucks, and he's a defensive coach. I just think Brandon Staley needs to – I don't think he's necessarily coached, like, bad enough that he has to get out of there. I just think you're wasting too good of a quarterback while he's on his rookie contract. We've seen that's how quarterbacks win Super Bowls when they're on the rookie deal. Get him out while while you still can. I don't disagree. Um, Geno Smith. Absolutely balling out. I believe he leads the league in completion percentages right now. And Russell Wilson has still not gotten in sync with his Broncos receivers. Uh, losing Javante Williams won't help that offense. And unfortunately, we have to watch Russell Wilson on primetime one more time. Um, I actually think, call me crazy, but this makes Russell Wilson look even worse. It makes him look almost like a system quarterback. The fact that Geno Smith's out there balling out like this and Russell Wilson looks so inept in the Broncos offense. He looks like he shouldn't even be in the league. I don't think, I don't think it's all Russell Wilson. I think the coach is, Mm -hmm. is substantially pretty, pretty worse than everyone else that's coaching this league. Um, I, I don't know why they haven't gotten on the same page yet between the receivers and Russell and the coach in Russell, but something ain't clicking in, in Denver just yet. We'll see if it will moving forward. Uh, last one. And this, I, I remember seeing this somewhere else, but um, Trevor Lawrence, and I want to say, I want to start, I think it's the most important thing. Probably wasn't drafted to the best organization and then was dealt a really bad hand with Urban Meyer. I think that's, important to preface who was their coach when he first got drafted was it urban meyer did they bring yeah, it, it was they urban fired meyer. 
They fired. Um, was it Jack uh, Del Rio? No, Doug Marone. Yes, he wasn't so there they, anymore. So they fired here, him, drafted Trevor Lawrence, and then brought in Urban. Yeah. Okay, so wasn't you know the greatest opportunity for a rookie. Probably didn't learn that much under Urban Meyer, and had to deal with a ton of distractions. He gets a little bit of a little bit of a leeway for some poor throws he makes. I would say I, I'm not ready to call him a bust by any means. He's in year two, and the Jags looked better, but they look like the Jags now. They just lost to the Texans at home, <laughs> um, which is pretty inexcusable. But I do think Trevor Lawrence, his name goes very quiet on like NFL primetime or Monday night, uh, what the Monday NFL live, what they do on Mondays. I feel like the NFL live people don't really talk about him when he has bad games. Um, we'll, we'll see if, if he gets some, some shame losing to the Texans. Uh, but he definitely makes some poor throws. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you disagree? Do you agree with anything with Trevor Lawrence so far? Look, I actually thought he was a little overrated when he came out to the NFL. Wow. Did you? I mean, I thought he was good, but I didn't necessarily think he was that generational quarterback. I wanted him to prove it to me. So far, he hasn't proven it to me. And I don't know. I still think he can get better. I think this is his first year, though, in the right system. You know what I mean? And he's been a little turnover prone. I think if you can get that down, that he can be much better. I mean, <clears throat> I still think he has time, but as of right now, what I've seen out of him has not been what I wanted to see. I'm not ready to call him a bust yet, but I will say, I would say he's underperformed my expect. He's underperformed expectation. I think that's the best way to put it. But don't you think if any rookie quarterback was drafted into Urban Meyer with all those distractions, like it, it'd be pretty difficult, I'd say. No, absolutely. I mean, I give him a complete pass on the rookie season. That's why this year let's I'm give him, evaluating him as a rookie. Let's give That's, him until next year because his new coach is very quarterback mm-hmm. friendly. Exactly. You know, it's his first year in a system too. Like, I I personally, next year is when I'm going to, like, really evaluate him hard. You know what I mean? I'm I gonna think give that's him fair. A, Zach Wilson's gotten that treatment. He's in year three, right? No, year two. Oh, he's in year – they were the same draft? Yeah, they were the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were the same draft. People have been – um very critic, uh, critical of Zach Wilson. He's only in year two as well, and he's in the same situation. He is a new coach. He's in a new system in in uh, as many years as two. So it, it's not easy to figure out how to play in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, even look at Tua. People are so critical of Tua after year one. I mean, year two, even after that one, people were saying, you know, Tua is not a starting quarter level quarterback in the NFL. He's a terrible pick. He's a bust. And then look at him. He was leading the – Look at the, the Dolphins NFL without and- Tua. Yeah, exactly. Look All you it. need to know. Exactly. I think Tua has plenty made a statement for himself. Um, ben, any other observations? No, that was all. There was a lot of them because we uh, kind of missed the week last week. Yeah, we did kind of miss a week last week, guys. It was a weird week for us. We will be back with full picks pod on Thursday. Also, too, regardless of what bets we have, we will run through the biggest games once we get done doing the actual picks themselves, guys. Um, we'll recap our picks and everything. Had a tough week for myself. Um, Ben, I think did all right on his picks, but, um, yeah, guys also too, just wanted to mention this real quick. The Braves reopened as the Phillies reopened at minus 160 to win the series against the Braves. Now we'll definitely be betting Braves series price whenever that comes up on my book later. The power of winning game one. Yeah. The power of winning, the power of overreacting to a game one win, man. It is absolutely crazy. Um, Ben, you ready? You ready for a big podcast on Thursday? Yeah. Uh, r- just a 
quick look ahead. I mean, my God, we have a great week of college football. Mm-hmm. I think there's six ranked matchups, I want to say. Yep. Um, so that's that's always fun. Man, these games, obviously I haven't done all of my research yet, but they are tough looking at trying to find a winner in these games. No, absolutely. I'll still be trying to find a winner as much as I can on them. Next week, also two guys who will visit each one of these conferences, our kind of final four predictions, all that stuff, and kind of sort things out and make sense of everything. Um, Ben, let's get out of here, man. Let's do it. Once again, guys, we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.